Sponsored program paid for by Robin Gwaltney. Gwaltney Group. Remax Results. Welcome to Rochester Real Estate. Featuring Robin Gwaltney from Gwaltney Group Remax Results and Andy Brownell. Here's Andy Brownell on Rochester's News Talk. 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. You're listening to a best of Rochester Real Estate show this morning with Robin Gwaltney. Gwaltney Group Remax Results. We picked out some of the our past programs and grab some interesting segments to put together for this weekend's program. This next segment goes back to May of this year when a historic home went on the market and created quite a stir. It's all over social media and I'm sure it's being talked about quite a bit amongst real estate folks, but this historic home went up for sale this week in Rochester and it's just one of those. I, I was aware of this home a long time ago and it's, I wish I could buy it. It's crazy. Um, I don't know if you wish you could buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I was in it yesterday. Okay. And I mean, it is a very unique home. Let's just say that. And it's, uh, if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, it's the, it's known as the pump house right. to the Rochester plumber house. So it's on the so base of the hill, right? It's located directly below the plumber house. Correct. So, um, I actually showed it yesterday and one of the concerns that my particular buyer had was the shared driveway, which in Old Southwest, that's not that uncommon. But this particular house, people have to drive right through your front, you know, right past the front of your house to get to theirs. And it's kind of like right on the shared driveway. So it, it's a little unique, but that's not the reason I think the house is not for me. Okay, there's, I mean, there's other reasons. So it has a um, 3,600 square foot cave. Yeah, a bat cave. Yeah, mm -hmm. a cave <laughs> in the house. So you lost me right there. <laughs> so so that whole Batman and Robin thing, yeah, nope, nope, don't want the cave. So maybe I don't want to live there, but I, I want to own it anyway. Okay, all right. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'm happy to take you for a tour if you want to go for a tour. <laughs> I, I, it's empty, so it's not inconveniencing anybody. So if you want to see it, I'll show it to you. It's unique is for sure the right word. But um, I don't know. I just, it doesn't feel very homey to me and maybe it's just because it's empty and nobody's living there but i couldn't get past that cave and then there's a sliding glass door so you see down into the cave and right down the middle of the cave is a side a sidewalk <laughs> like a sidewalk to nowhere uh, so you wouldn't sleep well at night is what you're telling me i probably wouldn't <laughs> i probably wouldn't i think if it were like you know the 1800s and we wanted to open up some kind of a whiskey bootleg place it'd be an awesome opportunity but other than that i'm not sure what we would want with that so my understanding is that that was storage for goods and things like that that were used in the plumber house and there's a connection that actually goes from that cave up to the actual plumber house that's not open okay i was going to say that connection has clearly been closed off but you know that would make sense so it was literally the cellar the root cellar or you know where they kept the potatoes and the well, somebody said you could put wine in there, and I said, listen, you could put more wine than any <laughs> liquor store in Rochester has. It's, it's it's a pretty serious cave. But, no, it's cool, it's fun, it's unique, and the buyers that I showed it to were actually quite intrigued because they're not the cookie-cutter house kind of people. So for somebody who's looking for something really different, it definitely is that. And it has four beds and three baths and a two-car garage. There was like a, in the middle of it, it looks like it probably was the garage at one time. There's this great big like garage carriage, garage door 
horse stall thing looking, but it doesn't open. And then right behind it is actually the dining room now. Okay. So, so there's yeah. no... I wouldn't be able to drive a car into the cave. I'm thinking if I had a collection of Maseratis or something like no, that. Store no, 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 it doesn't okay. go that way. If it worked like that, somebody probably would be pretty excited by it. But I guess I'm a sunlight girl, so caves <laughs> do not do a thing for me. Not uh, a thing for me. The other question I had about the house, because a lot of those old houses have really tiny rooms. Yeah. Is that the case here? Um, Not so much. Um, they did describe the kitchen as some gourmet kitchen or I don't know the, what words they used. You know how some of these realtors, ha ha, wink, 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 <laughs> use, <laughs> use all these fancy words. But um, it wasn't exactly the gourmet kitchen that I expected. But again, it's a very, very, very old house. Yeah. And, but the living room spaces are nice and the bedrooms were quite large. And I mean, there's it's definitely quaint. And I would have loved to seen it when the family lived there because I'm sure with their furnishings in, it was a completely different feel. Sure, I bet it was. I always wonder, too, in that area, if you get a lot of noise from the highway. Because you're right by both 12th Street and Highway 52, really. Um, you know what? I didn't notice any noise. It was tucked in, and they have this kind of lovely patio up on the upper level. And I sat out there for a little while because I was zooming with this buyer, and I didn't hear anything. It was actually oh. it was actually quite tucked in nicely, and it was pretty quiet and serene. So no, I was happy to be able to go in and see it because it was cool. I wonder if a like a morel mushroom hunter who wanted to dry other mushrooms would be able to that. See, you're right. It's going to be a real niche buyer, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't really know. They could have, um, they could have Girl Scout camp in there, and you could <laughs> camp out. I don't know. It's like it is just really, it's just really, really interesting. My son actually called me about it, and he's like, "Mom, I saw this guy on TikTok who does these unique houses." Unfortunately, the guy screwed it up and said that the house was in Rochester, New York. Oh. But anyway, he did a TikTok on that house, and. Brett's like, did you ever hear of it? I said, oh, yeah, I've been in it. And I said, it's really cool. And he's like, oh, I'd like to see it. And I'm like, I mean, I'm happy to take you in there. So anybody who's listening, if they want to go see the house, I'm, I'm, I'm here for a tour. You're just not going in the cave with them. Uh, you have to wear a hard hat, and they do supply the hard hats. But, A, I'm not really into putting on a hard hat that somebody else has been wearing. And, B, I'm not going in the cave, Andy. <laughs> the cave is not my jam. Oh, that is, yeah, you're more like, let's have the big giant patio deck looking out on the Mississippi River. That's and, and sunshine and big windows. <laughs> when I hear people say to me, I'm looking for a house with a lot of sunlight, big windows, I'm like, yeah, you're talking my language. Oh, yeah. Well, like I say, it, if I had, you know, what is it, a half a million dollars laying around? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's 550000 And I'm sure someone's going to buy it. I'm sure someone's going to think this is an amazing opportunity for this really unique home. And I have no doubts that the house will sell, and especially in this market. Yeah. You know, so it, it's going to be a cool adventure for somebody. That particular home sold very quickly. In this next segment, Robin shares with us the importance of having a realtor to guide you, even when the market is this strong. All you have to have is a guide. It's sort of like if you want to climb a mountain and you've never done it before, it doesn't mean you can't. It just means don't go it alone because it's going to end up as a disaster. But if you have a guide who knows how to take you up that mountain, you'll make it. So it's 
so very important. People say to me, oh, this must be a great time to be a for sale by owner. I'm like, only if you're crazy. <laughs> because, because if you put your house out there for sale by owner, and all of a sudden people want to come in there every minute, and then all of a sudden 16 people want to buy it, and now you are left to try to sort through those offers and know what to look for and what not to look for and which one is actually going to appraise and which one is actually going to go through with the financing. It is it is it would be like hiking a mountain for the first time without a guide. I would not recommend a for sale by owner, especially if you're the buyer, but I wouldn't even recommend it for the seller at this point in time at oh, all. No. I mean I I, ha- you think, I had oh, a client. Oh, you go ahead. No, as I say, I mean, you're right. On the surface it sounds like yeah, this would be perfect because the demand's so high, but you just pointed out you'd have 12 different offers spread across your kitchen table. Mm-hmm. With all sorts yeah. of different contingencies, or this, that, and the next thing, and right. <laughs> I had a client recently call me, me to list his house, and he said, um, "I was going to do a for sale by owner." And my buddy said, "What do you think your house is worth?" And he said, "I think I could get three ten for it." And he said, "My buddy said, oh, I think you better call a realtor because I think you can get a lot more than that." Ah. So he called me, and I said, "Oh my gosh, I think we'll list your house for three fifty nine nine, and we'll probably end up selling it for three seventy nine nine." He said, "Are you kidding me?" I said, "No." He goes, "And I was going to put it on the market for three ten, just awesome. to save his commission." But guess what? He would have lost a lot of money. That is a good point right there, that you're not always saving the commission, right? Right. On either end of the arrangement, you're not necessarily saving anything at all. One of my favorite stories about that, saving the commission, I've told you this before. My dentist of many years, I was there getting my teeth cleaned, and he said, Hey, Robin, I'm going to put my house on the market. I said, Oh, great. Are you going to list it with me? And he said, No, I'm going to do a for sale by owner. And I said, you are? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. How would you feel if I told you the next time I have a toothache, I think I'll just take a pliers, I'll reach back in there, and I'll just yank that baby out? And he's like, that would be a bad idea. And he (laughs) said, what day can you come over? (laughs) Because use a professional, get that professional service, and get the, the absolute most you can. But not only that. I don't think people understand how much stress comes with this job. And sure, if you're working with a good real estate agent, a good broker, a good, you know, somebody's guiding you, you might say, oh, buying my house wasn't stressful at all or selling my house wasn't stressful at all. It's because we take on that stress or we eliminate that stress. So we make it seem seamless. So that's what we're supposed to do. That's our job. Yeah, it's not have, supposed to be stressful for the buyer and the seller. You have this whole administrative staff who's there to take care of all that keeping exactly. track of paperwork and dates exactly. and times. And yes, you're exactly right. Reminders about getting the cable TV hooked up and all of that business. And when the inspection has to be done, this is the deadline, when the contingency has to be removed, when it has to go into underwriting, when that final underwritten approval has to be provided, when is the appraisal done, follow-up, was the appraisal good, did it appraise for the amount we sold it for? I mean, there's lots and lots of things that we do behind the scenes to make those real estate transactions fun and exciting because that's what they should be for our clients. And everything is moving at light speed right now because of the way the market is. It sure is. We'll be right back with Robin Gwaltney and Andy Brownell on Rochester Real Estate. This is News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. 
Welcome back to Rochester Real Estate with Robin Gwaltney from Gwaltney Group, Remax Results, and Andy Brownell on Rochester's News Talk, 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning and welcome back to a best of Rochester Real Estate program with Robin Gwaltney, Gwaltney Group, Remax Results. In this next segment, Robin talks about the impact of the strong seller's market on the rental market. It's gone berserk in some places. The people that aren't getting into homes are the ones that have got exhausted and they are stepping aside and saying, we're just going to rent for another year or two. Well, guess what that has done to the rental market? Oh, goodness. Yeah, so I actually found an article titled Bidding Wars Erupt for Renters as the Economy Recovers <laughs> in a Hot Housing Market. Yes. And isn't that just crazy? Yes, it sounds insane. And and especially knowing that to offset some of the losses that some of these um, landlords have suffered from the COVID eviction moratorium, they're actually raising rents. Okay, so rents are higher, but there are still people fighting for rentals and they're seeing things like um, the people who are looking to rent are much like higher credit scores, higher income. So it's kind of changing um, the demographic of who is out there renting. So some of these landlords are actually seeing people fighting for the rental. And when they're filling out the application, they're actually adding verbiage about um, we're willing to pay 200 a month more than you were asking. So literally, um, bidding wars, yeah. In July, rents rose nationally 7% year over year for a one-bedroom apartment and 87 for a two-bedroom apartment, but people are still fighting to get into those. So, yeah, it's crazy. Well, I'm trying to understand this. Were we seeing the huge increase in population? Is it... Are these, um, are these rental homes? Are these... Uh, no. One bedroom apartments, two bedroom apartments. Wow. And there is there is a need for single family. So um, one of the things that I have heard over and over is that apartments, well, some people stayed and just stopped paying, unfortunately. But some people said, okay, I'm getting out of here, getting out of my lease, moving back to my parents or oh, moving sure. in with, you know, moving other places. But now that they're being called back yep. to work or they've gotten a new job or so they're starting back all over again getting out and on their own right, so that, some of that some of that's going on too okay that, that actually makes a lot of sense and they're coming yeah. into a situation where they've got a bunch of cash because they've been saving, saving money it by up. not being in the yep. market yep exactly okay all right yeah, yeah actually here's something that i here's actually a real quote from a vipian Matwani, managing principal with Iron Gate Development. He says the rental applications that we're getting right now, we are seeing higher credit scores. We are seeing applicants willing to put down more in terms of security deposits. We're seeing strong rental history as well. And that ne wasn't necessarily the case pre-COVID. So a landlord's dream. A landlord's dream. That's for sure. Well, I think they've kind of gone through a landlord's nightmare, a yeah. lot of them, with I the COVID still thing. Going so. it in a yeah, lot yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, are we seeing that? Have you seen any evidence of that happening around here? I've not, you know, and I'm not as, um, I'm definitely not the pro on the rental market. Sure. So, I mean, from what I know, I think people are still renting and occupancy is still really good. I've not heard of anybody have to get into a bidding war to get a unit. I think Rochester has 
you know, you've seen a lot of apartments go up in the yes. last few years, right? So I think we have been on the ball and kind of predicted what the future needs are. And I think we have um, a sufficient amount of rental units available that people are probably not having to get in a bidding war. But now that's that's not based on any facts or data. That's just what yep. I think. Yep. And I saw the, the census data that came out at the end of the week showed Olmstead County grew just, I think it was about 13% wow. since the previous census. So overall, we've seen a significant rise in the number of people who live here. So that explains a lot of the apartment building construction. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this is the one I was going to ask you about because you might know. They said the fastest growing community in the entire country is the villages in Florida. <laughs> That's so funny. Isn't that, that, place, that senior living Yeah, community? yeah. Well, I mean, this is a little side note. A couple of years ago, I think I, one of my articles on this show was that the um, the highest number of STDs was in the villages in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what made me laugh out loud. Actually, so I guess folks who moved down there. <laughs> yeah, better warn them. <laughs> it's just kind of funny because I think what it is is there is a lot of baby boomers, right? I mean, we're at that... We're at that point in time where a lot of people are saying, you know what, I'm going to go. And if I'm going to have to go live somewhere, I'm not ready to be in a, a nursing home setting or even an assisted sure. living setting. I just want to live in a fun and you know what I'm saying. But just, <laughs> yeah, not too much fun, but just a fun 55 and over community um, where there's other people that are very much alive and very active and out and about. And I think it has become a really super popular place. I think I know three or four people personally that have moved from here and live there. So yeah. it goes along with uh, sometime in the past year, we talked about planned communities. That's what this is. Yes. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what it is. Okay. If you live in the villages, you never have to leave. I mean, they've got <laughs> everything you need right there. Another article that caught my attention because I was, you know, we have a lot of small towns around us. Uh, the title of this article was called Small Town Home Prices Rival Those in Big Cities. And I thought, how can that be? Well, it started out by talking about small towns being populations between 10,000 and 50,000. I'm like, okay, that's not our idea of a that's small town. <laughs> medium cities. There. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, those are pretty good-sized cities if you live in Minnesota. But... Um, Anyway, there were some small towns that the prices in their towns rivaled nearby large cities. Well, okay, if you're comparing Vineyard Haven, Massachusetts, <laughs> where the median value is six ninety nine, and then they say, well, that tops Los Angeles, where the median home value is six thirteen, or Breckenridge, Colorado, has home prices that rival those of San Diego. Five seventy nine six is the average in Breckenridge. Well, it's Breckenridge, or, but it's Breckenridge, <laughs> and then and then they talk about Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Well, okay, so these are all places that the rich and the famous come and buy vacation homes. Sure. But what happens is these types of buyers drive up those home prices oh, yeah. and then make housing difficult to afford for the locals who are not those high income earners. That was already so, happening like two or three years ago. The last time. Oh was gosh, in yes. Oh gosh, yes. And then there you know, people living in tent cities who were the the seasonal workers. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That is so crazy. And and you're right. That was happening pre-COVID. But now this is exaggerated even more. 
Well, because so many people did so well on the stock market that it just put them in such a good, you know, equity position and wealth position that if they've always wanted that vacation home in Breckenridge, that was the time to go get it, you know? They had to bid for it, so there you go. Oh, they had to fight for it, and they paid plenty, but then again, they were cash buyers, right? (laughs) The cash buyers were taking over. I just love the headline, though. That was... Yeah, it's a little deceiving. Just a little misleading. Just a little misleading. I'm like, oh my gosh, you mean to tell me houses in Wabasha are going to be as expensive as houses in Rochester? (laughs) Nah, it wasn't anything like that. Okay. We'll be right back with Robin Gwaltney and Andy Brownell on Rochester Real Estate. This is News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Hey, it's James Raby. Um. Welcome back to Rochester Real Estate with Robin Gwaltney from Gwaltney Group, Remax Results, and Andy Brownell on Rochester's News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. As we continue with this best of Rochester Real Estate program this morning with Robin Gwaltney, Gwaltney Group Max results. We'll wrap things up with one of my favorite segments, comparing the affordability of homes today and maybe 30, 40 years ago. This was the article that I absolutely wanted to have time to get to because it is really fun. It says, are houses less affordable than they were in past decades? Okay, so People are like, what? You know, my dad would <laughs> of say, they are. <laughs> uh, but he'd say, of course they are more affordable. No, I no, mean, I he mean would say, yeah, 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 yeah. He I, would you... say, are you kidding me? My house payment was only $300. <laughs> now people are paying $3,000. Okay. But then we have to think about, so is the price of bread, a gallon of milk, a gallon of gas. I mean, that's called inflation, right? Wait. Everything has gone up. And pay has gone up. And pay has gone up. So there's this fun little chart that I found that shows like converting back then prices to today's prices, factoring in inflation. And this is fun. Okay. So in 1975, you could borrow $35,000 at 8.89% interest and your payment would be uh, $280. Yep. Okay. That sounds right on the money for okay. 75. You could have bought a house for 30 grand easily here. And that seems so cheap. But you know what? That equates to in today's wages and today's prices, that equates to $1,414. Oh. Wow. So it wasn't that cheap to buy a house then. I mean, it was a big chunk of your income. It was still, um, you know, it was still a big deal. It so was, to, It was what everybody wanted to do as well. Right. And so, the so then... Move five years forward in 1980, you could get a mortgage for 57.6 at 12.71%, and your payment has gone up to 624. So your payment has more than doubled in uh, five years from 75, and that payment of 624 back then would be the same as 2058. Oh my gosh. Today. Okay. So let's talk about today. Today, you could buy a house. Get a mortgage for three thirty seven four ten at two point seven percent interest, and your house payment is going to be one thousand three hundred and eighty one. Okay, that is amazing. So now I'm just going to read over these really quick. So in nineteen seventy five, that house payment on thirty five thousand was equal to fourteen hundred and fourteen today. So that was more expensive. That's, that's roughly the house that you're talking about, though. Yep, Pretty close. Yep. Yep. In nineteen eighty, that same mortgage of fifty seven six at six twenty four was equal to two thousand fifty eight today. So way more, way more expensive, right? What could I get and, for two grand a month today? 
A lot more. That's for darn <laughs> sure. A lot more. Because that 1980 house was probably a split hot, split with a detached garage. Well, you know, I can I can tell you like that whole DeWitt's development over in Cimarron. Right. I think those were like 75000 when they were first built, something that, that like was, that. That was early 80s. Yeah. And so in 1985, a $75,000 house, your payment was only seven ninety eight then, but that's equivalent to $2,002 today. So this went through 75, 80, 85, 90, 95, 2000, 2005, 10, 15, 20. And there were only two years, two years in all that, in all those decades where you could actually, it was less, it was actually more affordable, right? So in 2010, if you borrowed 197 at 4.7%, your house payment was 1,282. And that's because we just were coming right. out of a housing crash, right? Yes, exactly. So that was that was like just a special circumstance. And then last year in 2020, when you could get something uh, for 290 at 3.16%, your house payment was 1311. Okay, so prices have gone up. Right. But interest rates have gone down, so now it's thirteen eighty one. So you feel like, oh, my friends who bought last year did so much better. Uh, not that much better. But you're and doing way better than mom and dad. Thank you. <laughs> so the truth of the fact, I mean, it really says, bottom line here, if you want to buy a home, don't let the headlines about affordability discourage you because you maybe can't get the deal that your friend got last year, but you're getting a much better deal than your parents did 20 years ago or your grandparents did 40 years ago. So that's all about keeping it in perspective. It's a fantastic time to buy a house. There's no doubt about it. And that $350,000 house is a great deal. Absolutely. You're getting more house as well when compared to what you were buying in 75. Absolutely. And it's no different than, you know, the portion of your income that you're spending on housing. I I always tell, especially young buyers, let's not focus so much on the price of the house, because literally the chances of the fact that you're going to live here and pay off that 30 year mortgage are pretty slim. The average home buyer stays in their house five to seven years. So let's look at what it's going to take you to get into the house, what your payments are going to be each month. How does that fit your budget and what kind of position will you be in when it comes time to sell the house? And those are the things that really matter. So that's where it's really important to have good guidance. And that's the thing I want folks to call you about. So if you're hearing this and you want to talk about how this is going to be for you individually to buy or sell your home, how do you get a hold of Robin Gwaltney? Absolutely. Would love to help. Just feel free to call me on my cell phone, 507 259 Four nine two six, and I will take your call. If I'm on another call, I'll call you back. All right, Robin, we'll chat next week. Thanks so much. Absolutely. All right, that's Robin Walt, Robin Qualty. I'm sorry, Qualty Group Remax results here on News Talk 1340, Carol C. AM and 96.9 FM.